0: You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, we have Perth's number one mortgage broker, has been for three years, I reckon, maybe even more. It's Sam Carello from Napoleon Finance. Thanks for coming in again, mate. It's been a little while, but it's always lovely to have you in. Thanks a lot for having me, Trent. Appreciate it. Mate, we are talking a bit of a finance update today. Most people probably know where the rates are, but we will go through them to make sure that it's coming out of your mouth and people know what the real red hot ones are, but also probably talk about rates that people need to move on from as well, where there are opportunities for refinancing. We'll also have a little chat about the value of pre-approvals, where the banks are at right now with their service times in terms of their turnaround times. Uh, we'll also just discuss, I guess, where the finance situation is going with regards to offset accounts, fixed rates, and, and what we should be doing, what you're seeing happening in the market right now. Mate, what is going on? It's the busiest time you've probably ever had, you've been telling me. And, and why do you think that is? It's
0: absolutely bananas out there at the moment. So um, we're, we're flat tack. I think there was a report released where mortgage applications were up 50% uh, last quarter compared to the year before. And, and we're definitely seeing that now with the volume coming through. I think it's uh, almost a perfect storm of, you know, low rates, no rental vacancies, and we're coming off a pretty low baseline for, for property values as well. So, those three definitely help, uh, and then people seem to have a, a bit of cash, you know, no no trouble is a big one, and we're seeing people come in with quite uh, chunky deposits, which is nice.
1: Isn't it interesting how we're now in a more of a FOMO market, but it seems like people... The, oh, you Look, you're on the cold face of it, especially as a mortgage broker. You see the buyers before they're buyers a lot of the time, right? You're having those preliminary conversations. Would you uh, agree that the buyers seem to be higher quality buyers in terms of how prepared they are and the money they've got? Where have they been, mate?
0: Yeah, I think right now, if you're walking into a home open and you don't have a pre-approval, uh, the agent's not even going to gonna look at you. At the moment, feedback we're getting is you go to a home open, there's 50 or 60 groups typically, you've got the one day, first home open, there's going to be six to ten offers put on that property. So you need to be in a position to present yourself in the best possible light. Uh, if you don't have pre-approval, the agent won't even entertain looking at your offer because they've got six to ten other ones which they can pick and choose from.
1: I think it. Probably the case where people would just really have to be trained, really. They probably miss out on a couple of offers and they realize, shit, I'm going to have to be more prepared here and not just put that sloppy offer in and come to the broker later. They're much more conscientious these days, I'm, I'm finding that, because they have to be out of necessity.
0: Correct, yeah. Like I said, the agents are so busy. If First question they ask is, are you pre-approved if you've got a finance clause in there? And second query to look at is, well, if we've got five or six offers, which are typically always around the same price, because people can sort of gauge the value of a property, They then look at the conditions. So, whether that be, say, 28 days for finance versus 14 days for finance versus cash, as well as any other conditions you might have in there. So, your standard building and pest should always be in there. But if there's other conditions and you're making it a little bit tougher for the seller to satisfy those, then again, your offer is probably going to be put to the bottom of the pile.
1: So, as a mortgage broker, explain to us how you can make buyers, your clients more competitive at that offer table.
0: Yeah, so what we do, um, and Napoleon, we obviously sit down with the client, grab all their info, sit down and we'll we'll do a fully assessed pre-approval. So, we'll go through the options as if they're, they're buying, uh, as if they've got a property in mind. We'll talk through budget, um, you know, what they're looking to buy for, what areas they're looking to buy at. And then we'll actually submit the whole application to the bank and it'll be all reviewed and signed off by the bank's credit assessors subject to that client, uh, finding a property, and then we just need a valuation on it. So essentially what we've done is we've done 95% of the work up front. So when the client does go to put an offer in, rather than having to do the standard 28 days for finance, which some banks are still struggling to meet, sometimes we can do, say, a seven-day finance clause.
1: So, if you had a client who was pretty aggressive in wanting to not go cash but have a really short finance time frame, you'd be confident with that with the right banks, if that client was pre-approved, they'd be okay with a seven-day finance clause.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we've, we've done it with a few clients recently um, just based on how, how busy and how competitive it is. And it's all worked out. We'll usually call the agent as well and and say, look, you know, everything's ready to go. We just need this valuation. When can we get the value through?
1: Yeah, we vouch for them essentially. Yeah, yeah,
0: and that definitely helps as well.
1: If a client wants to stay with a particular bank though, that may not be possible. I'm assuming that there are some banks that are still absolutely knackered when it comes to their turnaround times, right? Even if they've been approved, just picking up a file is still weeks. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you've got the relationship or if your broker has the relationship with the bank or, or say your BDM, Uh, How the banks prioritise finance is they'll look, uh, there's three types of applications. So, you've got your pre-approval and they're sort of at the the bottom of the queue uh, with the refinances. And then if you've got a purchase contract with a finance clause in date, uh, we can usually get that escalated. So, we can give our BDM a call or an email and say, hey, you know, this one's due in seven days. I've already ordered the valuation. I just need one of your assessors to pick it up and sign it off. Um, And that can be done if you have a pre-approval. If you're looking to go out on the weekend and buy a house on Saturday and then try and find a broker on Monday to do it for you, there's probably about two or three banks out there at the moment who can turn it around in that time and it'd have to be a very, very clean deal. Um, so, we, we definitely wouldn't recommend that. So, definitely get your, your ducks in line and uh, finance first, speak to your broker, know your budget, know what you can afford, get that pre-approval fully assessed. Uh, you then get your pre-approval letter, you then go, cool, my... Pre approvals for 700000 I know I can go shopping for up to 700000 I shouldn't have an issue attaining finance subject to the valuation. Then, when you put your offer on, offers on, seven day finance clause if that's achievable and if that's what your broker thinks you can achieve. Yeah, well, you uh, with could, the you could
1: even attach that pre approval letter to the offer, wouldn't you? As a buyer putting that offer in and you put your offer in for $800,000, attached to $700,000 finance approval. That would be probably a little bit of confidence for the seller as well.
0: Potentially, yeah. Obviously, at the same time, if you multiple offers, you probably want to, you know, sometimes keep your cards close to your chest as well as to what you are actually approved for. Uh, pre-approval, what we recommend is we'll get it in place for the upper limit that the client's comfortable with. So if they're comfortable with repayments on say seven hundred thousand, but they find a property for six hundred. Potentially, you might not want to be selling, showing the, the selling agent that, hey, actually, I can go up to 700 because they might try and squeeze you a little bit more. But you know, usually, if you say, look, I'm pre-approved, this is my broker, if need be, give them a buzz, uh, we, we do find that helps, especially when it's a multi-offer situation.
1: Now, have you seen many investors come to you recently compared to year on year? Has that gone up 50%?
0: Uh, I'd say investors are definitely coming back. I wouldn't say that's up 50%. I'd say it's still primarily driven by owner occupation uh, is what we're seeing. Interesting enough, last couple of weeks, we've actually had a few guys who have been renting who have come to us and said, our investor is looking, or the the rental property, they're looking to sell once the uh, rental freeze, 29th March moratorium rental freeze is up. So once that's done, they've actually been told that the owner of the property is going to sell where they're living. So, I wouldn't say I've seen a lot of investors come back in to buy, but I have seen, or well, I've heard of a few looking to sell. So, there might be a bit more stock coming on, you know, sort of early April, because at the moment, the issue is stock. Uh, You'd you know That's the That's my issue. Yeah. yeah.
1: We're pretty much sitting out of the market for the last month waiting for that moratorium to, to finish so that I, hopefully... Uh, a lot of that investor stock comes back on the market and gives us some opportunities because there is really not much on the market and that is what's creating such a FOMO situation and necessitating so many people to be prepared with their broker so that they can not only demonstrate a level of confidence to the seller with a pre-approval but they can also just offer with confidence too and, and hit the right price from the start which always helps your ability to compete at that level. So, it's interesting to see that you're not seeing as many investors come back in as uh, I would have thought we'd want to be and that's going to create, that's going to sustain our issue with the rental market as well struggling. Have you seen a lot of people come out of renting looking to buy? A heap,
0: yep. <laughs> Plenty. So, I guess probably been renting the last 12 to 24 months, uh, you know, I guess with COVID haven't been able to travel. Like we said, said, we've seen some some really chunky um, deposits and some really good sort of first home buyer quality as well as second home buyer, all with, yeah, nice, nice big size deposits. So, definitely some that, you know, have gone, well, when we look at what we're, we're going to pay in a mortgage compared to what we're paying in rent, why wouldn't we go out there and buy if we can? I think it's probably now compared to, say, six months ago, there's a bit more confidence around jobs as well where the job market seems to be doing doing quite well and there's plenty available. So, people are now comfortable to, to maybe make that commitment with a mortgage.
1: Are banks still asking for that extra append, appendix document of COVID-related questions, uh, you know, declarations
0: that we are not affected by COVID? Are we still having those answers having to be given? Uh, yes. Yeah, so some lenders still are, are still asking for the, the COVID questions. Uh, Bankwest have dropped their selfie requirement which is nice but um yeah no there there is still i guess you know covid questions around especially certain industries eg pilots etc cetera. Um, they are looked at a little bit more closely than than some of the others we're we're seeing still plenty of documentation required by the lenders all right let's talk about
1: rates uh, because i think last time when we were talking rates we were in the low 2s yeah <laughs> and that was for owner occupiers Uh, How cheap a rate does it get in WA right now? I know there was one that I was speaking about with Brendan Ptolemy last week. I think it's a company called Greater Bank or something like that in New South Wales that was offering 1.74 as an introductory
0: fixed rate for one year. Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. We don't have 1.74. I haven't heard of Greater Bank personally no neither had uh, I until the time they only yeah. service the
1: greater New South
0: Wales area yeah that's probably why <laughs> so I mean you you always get those smaller lenders you know potentially trying to buy a bit of market share things to consider is just experience client experience with them uh, sharpest rate we've got at the moment uh, is Westpac two year fixed rate owner P&I uh, sub 70% lend so they're looking for people with plenty of equity in their property or a big deposit like a refinance uh, it's a refinance or purchase, yeah. Yep. And and they're doing 1.79 for the two years. So, that's at a major um, that's at insane. that sort of rate. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no one really close to them at the moment. I think Next Best is about Suncorp at 189, but that 179 is uh, a new frontier. So, it'll be interesting to see whether or not the, the other majors follow. Are they trying to buy a business? What's happening there? Because it's only a two-year rate. You would have
1: thought... Uh, People, a lot of people would start to think about four-year rates, given that they're also available
0: sub two as well. Yeah, so you got your four-year at sort of one ninety-nine is where they typically sit. The only thing with a four-year, I guess, it's a lot harder to plan what your situation is going to be like in four years compared to two. Uh, That's a conversation we have with clients: is well, you know, if you're going to buy this property or refinance, what what are your plans into the future? Um, I guess with a two-year rate you know, easier to plan as to what's going to happen. The other thing with the two-year rate... So, yeah, it was it was interesting because we both know, you know, Westpac and St. George, the turnaround times have been a little bit stretched. Uh, Let's explain stretched. Sometimes they're at about 28 business days uh, for some files. Yeah, so w- files. we're
1: talking nearly six weeks here. So, if you had a 28-day finance clause, you couldn't go to Westpac. Correct, yeah. Unless uh, unless you're with one of the top dog brokers like Sam Carello who gets put to the front of the queue. As If you're going with the general, going straight to the bank or through the broking system with any other broker, you would have to get a finance extension on 28 days. Otherwise, they wouldn't pick it up, right?
0: Well, that's, I mean, that, when you say direct through the bank, that's where there's sometimes a bit of channel conflict because sometimes lenders direct through the bank can get things turned around in a few days. Yeah, wow. So that's where you know, that that's a bit of a gripe with some brokers, um, because it's like, well, you know, if you're saying we're all equal and we're pro- providing business for you, we should get the same turnaround times. But uh, yeah, it definitely interesting times in terms of that. I I, I spoke to uh, another bank's um, state manager around. I was like, why well, is Westpac? You know, they're not they're not sharp at the moment in terms of turnaround times. Why would you then try and blow yourself up by bringing out the hottest rate in the market? Yeah. And what he was saying is they hit their uh, their financial year target in February for the number of new loans, dollar value, but the growth of the book, so the actual return to shareholders uh, wasn't there. It was the a profitability. Correct. It was actually going backwards. And the reason for that is is because you've got your refinance rebates, which they obviously pay a little bit of cash up front. You've also got uh, issues, well, not issues, but 100% offset accounts on the variable. People have cash at the moment, so they're looking for somewhere safe to put it against the mortgage the return wasn't quite there so by offering a fixed rate rather than letting clients take a loan and then you know pay it all down as, as quickly as they want there's limitations around how much extra you can repay so it guarantees the bank a return compared to say taking a variable rate it also locks you in so it means you know that three thousand dollars an offer from ANZ to switch over well you can't do now because there's a potential break cost there and no offset account no offset account as well, correct. So, just got to make sure that if you are taking a fixed rate, it's suitable for your situation um, and that's where, you know, maybe the advice of a, a broker is uh, definitely needed. That situation
1: would be someone who is looking to budget for the next two, three, four years and looking just for the cheapest rate possible to as a cost of living, I would have thought. Uh, also, someone who's not that interested in an offset account, that would offset 2.5% it's not a fantastic investment is it so if someone who either didn't have much money to put into an offset or was sophisticated enough to go I no, look I like to put my money into shares or some other investment that fits my risk profile that's hopefully going to return me more than two and a half percent that
0: would be a client who would probably suit a fixed rate right yeah that's bang on so for uh, example we've got a client who's lending about five five million. And uh, what they're doing is they're fixing it all in and they're fixing it all in purely because he's a big share investor. So, he's put in, he's like, well, I can borrow this money at 2% and I know I can make 6 7% as a minimum in the market. So, why wouldn't I leverage up and do it that way? Yeah, what value is there in an offset account? And that's what I talk to people a lot about.
1: There are two sides of the coin when it comes to risk profile. There are a lot of people who like to nest egg, put their money away uh, and really just re- either pay their loan down or have a flexibility to pay their loan down through an offset account and then the other people that go, stuff that, I'm not paying down a 2.5% loan. That's the worst investment I'll make in my life. I'm going to pay what I have to on the loan to live like a rental cost really and then put all of my disposable income into higher generating uh, returns or possible higher generating returns. There's two sides of the coin but it's good that we have different products that suit people's risk profiles and not one shoe fits every person.
0: Yeah, that's that's bang on right there. So, that that's correct, you know, and, and it just depends on the client. So, obviously, with brokers, we just got to make sure it's a suitable loan. So, we got to make sure that, you know, it is in the best interest of the client and yeah, a good broker will talk through those options with you.
1: What about investment options? We're seeing some stuff in the low twos for investors now. Isn't that insane? rental yields are higher than that, way higher than that. They're 4.5%. So, even if you put your property management, your maintenance, your insurance, you should still be making a bit of cash year for year. Everything, everyone should be positively geared
0: now if you can get a loan in the low twos as an investor. I would say so easily should be positively geared with the, the repayments. I had one client, another one on Friday spoke. He was looking at buying a, an apartment. I think interest costs of holding was about $700 a month and the return, I think he was looking at 450 a week. So, it easily washes its face. Um, we're actually seeing some investors even looking to pay down debt. So, you switch on to a principal and interest loan if they don't have any... Because
1: it's still fairly positively to get even doing that?
0: Well, it's... Yeah. So, you'll get a cheaper rate on principal and interest investment rates. It's, you know, when you, you do the numbers, even paying principal and interest, they're still pretty much even. So, they're, they're buying an investment, hoping for that capital growth. Um, and then the, the investment's washing its own face by covering all costs and, and your loan repayment. I'm not sure if
1: you've done any numbers on this or whether this might just be a bit of a gut feel anecdotally for yourself over the last year or two, but are you finding that people, just given the fact that interest rates have dropped and therefore assessment rates have dropped, uh, people are able to lend more money, they're being rejected less, they're able to get more? What's the feel there when you think about person X that you've written a loan for this week compared to that similar person a year
0: and a half, two years ago, what's the situation for them? Every time we think it's probably getting a little bit easier, something comes in and a lot of the banks have brought in this DTI, so debt to income ratio. Explain that for us in really layman's terms. Yeah. So, essentially, with the regulators, what's happened is they've said, we don't really want you lending to people at over six times their annual income. Um, so, you could have someone who could service at nine times their annual income because they've got no other debt, no other commitments, but the bank put a hard limit in at, say, six times. And so, that income includes what income? So, it's your, your PAYG wage, your self-employed wage and your rental. Rental income
1: as well. Yep, so, so you if you made $100,000 a year as a PAYG salary and you also had... Uh, $50,000 a year in rent either from existing properties or the proposed property, you would be able to lend a maximum of $900,000 with some banks because that's the cap of six to one
0: debt to income ratio. Correct. Yeah. So, some banks. Some banks don't have that or some banks haven't brought it in yet, so it just depends on your lender. It also depends on your, your deposit and your loan to value ratio. Do you think that's the way it's going? Do you think that's... Go- given how cheap debt is these
1: days and how it seems like it's going to sustain to be cheap for a long time, do you think that's the way that the regulator is going to start curbing people's level of of uh, debt within the investment strategy? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so... It's not
0: assessment rates anymore? It's going to be a hard cap on debt to income? Well, the assessment rates now, most are seeing about 5.5%. So, there's still that buffer in there of 25 to 3 So, most banks' official buffer is five and a half or two and a half percent higher than the actual rate we're giving you. So, you've still got your assessment rate in there, but there's uh, situations where, you know, we've plugged the details in, the client can lend about seven and a half times their income based on the bank servicing calculator. Yep. And then, they could they could also feel comfortable doing that too in real life. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's with all the assessment rates in there, but then they bring in this six DTI and then it, it cuts the client back to where they can lend. So that's what's sort of slowing down lending a little bit. It's going to frustrate people. It's also going to frustrate investors,
1: I think, and it's, and which is to the detriment of in Western Australia, our situation. We need more investors and if people in real life terms can afford, given the fact that in real life terms, we are positively geared, if we can afford to buy more investment properties and assist with uh, some more supply in rental properties. Surely that's a good thing for our market. Otherwise, we're going to continue to create this wealth gap of people who are struggling to pay massive rental prices and uh, people who own owner-occupied properties and people who own investment properties but could really be owning more and helping with re- increasing the supply of investment. It doesn't make sense to me but again, it's a national policy. And when you think about the way that our debt-to-income ratio is generally in Perth, we earn the same amount as people in Sydney, but our prices are still half, which means our debt is probably still half, right? So, you think, how the hell have these people in Sydney been going about their ways the last five years, having loans double the
0: amount that we have? Yeah, and I think Sydney and Melbourne are about 70% of the market, aren't they? So, you know, when the regulators look at things, it's typically with an East Coast uh, focus on us. Yeah. It's Uh, unfortunate because I think that brush continues to be
1: tied across us as well. And uh, what we really need right now is a lot more investors entering the market. But hopefully, as rents increase, obviously, that increases our income, which means it increases
0: our ability to get debt. Correct. Yeah. And I I guess, you know, with that, there are lenders who will do above six for the right client. Um, Some lenders will go up to nine times. Bankwest is a good example of that. Yeah. So, uh, with Bankwest, I think after seven, so, they'll go up to seven, but after seven, it's manually assessed. Discretionary. Correct, yeah. So, it's no no guarantee. So, that's what a lot of lenders have given themselves, maybe that flexibility. CBA is another one where they go, all right, up to seven, we're okay. After seven, it goes to a senior credit manager. We look at the file as a whole and say, well, are we willing to lend this client based on this? I mean, with the assessment as well... A lot of the banks are cutting rental income back by 30%. Yeah, it used to be by 20 and now they're shading it by 30 Correct. I so, wonder why that is. Uh, just makes it safer
1: for the bank, doesn't it? Yeah. So. But especially in a market... Now, again, I think that's a national policy based on expected dropping rents on the east coast whereas we're going to be having increased rents going forward in the next few years correct again frustrates me uh but look it's about understanding the game and then working within the game and using your broker. This is the whole point of this session here today whether you're an owner occupier or an investor using your broker to identify the bank that has the policy that suits your needs because there generally will be a bank that suits your the niche that you sit in with regards
0: to what you're trying to achieve with debt correct and like uh, you think of you know, the, the amount of changes we're still seeing in the industry. You think of your average uh, client, they, they've got no idea about policy. Like, we get clients call up and say, oh, I spoke to my bank. They said I need to be in my job for six months or 12 months. When, you know, you can go to the bank next door and you can, you know, if you've got two years history enroll, one day, one pay slip, we're good to go. Like, we, you know, we've had a, another example is we had a client come back from the States. Uh, he was in IT over in the States, came back here, had a job, hadn't started yet, bought a house and one of the lenders no were happy to lend him the money based on the contract in him starting. Yeah, he hadn't even started the work yet. No. <laughs> but the we had a assigned assigned contract. He had I think nine years good experience at a, a good tech company over in the US. You know, it's the sort of client, twenty percent deposit, it's the sort of client the banks want. So it's just about finding if he'd gone into the branch next door rather than coming to us, they would have said, No, we need you know 6 months computer
1: says no it's yeah. just the policy from these guys up in their ivory towers that haven't assessed you individually yeah sam crello napoleon finance as always really fun to chat good to get an update on where rates are but also really good to understand uh, if you're out there as an owner occupier or an investor desperate to get into the market to buy continually losing feeling like why am i not getting this win Uh, the price was good it has to come down to your preparation and talking to your broker early about that whether it's through a pre-approval or at least an eligibility uh, to give you confidence about where you sit moving forward uh, is really pivotal thanks for your time mate